Welcome to the Lighthouse Podcast, a resource created by Lighthouse Family Retreat to strengthen families living through childhood cancer. You'll hear stories from families, educational information on childhood cancer, and most importantly, we will be there to encourage your family during your journey. Hey everyone, and welcome back. It's hard to believe, but August is almost over. No, We're closing in on September, um, which is actually a really big month for us here at Lighthouse. It is a super big month. You know, um, we love September. Huge fans of it, not just because of football, specifically college football, but really because it's Childhood Cancer Awareness Month. And while we know that it's true that we wish we didn't have to exist because childhood cancer didn't exist, right now it does. And so we're thankful to have a month like September where we can raise awareness and ultimately funding for research, treatments, and support, and anything that we can do to make the lives of childhood cancer patients and their families better. Absolutely. And one of my most favorite things we do at Lighthouse in September is our gold parties. And I said parties, plural, because Mm -hmm. this year, for the first time, we're having two parties at once. One is here in Atlanta, and one is in Alice Beach, both on September 11th. This is one of our biggest fundraisers at Lighthouse, Mm -hmm. and we have a blast getting together with all the Lighthouse extended family, and we play poker, we have a silent auction, we do all the things. Yeah, all the things, and they are so much fun. So if you are in the area, you you definitely want to be a part of this. Another thing we're really looking forward to in September, it's our first ever weekend retreat. That's right, first ever. I'm super excited to be doing this September 17th through the 19th. We're out in Colorado in the Rockies, which is pretty cool. We're taking families away for a very special weekend getaway. So similar to our beach retreat, in the summer. This one's going to be a time to get away from the stress and the chaos of childhood cancer and spend some time together as a family. You get to get loved on by some really great volunteers. So if you're living through childhood cancer and you're within a couple hours of Colorado, visit our website at lighthousefamilyretreat.org and get some more info. And as far as our podcast goes, we're going to have some really great interviews coming up in September as well. But honestly, I can't think of a better couple to kick it all off into Childhood Cancer Awareness Month than Joe and Alana Phillips. Yeah, these guys are great. So they're a former retreat family at Lighthouse. Mm -hmm. But after attending a couple of retreats, they have now become Common Ground leaders on our summer retreats. And so Common Ground, for those of you who have not been on a retreat, uh, it's an environment that we have in the mornings. It's really a small group time for parents that have a child with cancer. And it really is the heartbeat of what we do on retreat. It gives families the opportunity to connect uh, on their journey, get to share with folks that understand what it is that they're going through, and really get some much-needed support um, and, and build some great friendships uh, along the way. So you can imagine when you've got this time led by people who have walked this journey as well, it's really, really helpful. So Joe and Elena have been amazing leaders in this area. They really have, and I, th- I think it's their story is just really encouraging to people. Um, but before we get into our conversation, share a little background about the Phillips family. Joe and Elena live in Knoxville, Tennessee, and Joe's a pastor, and Elena is an insurance agent, and they have two of the cutest kids ever, and they both have actually had birthdays since we recorded this. So Luke is now 10, and Tillery is 8, and like we said a minute ago, this is actually the first of two interviews we had with the Phillips family, because before we could air the first conversation, um, things had actually changed in Tillery's situation. So you'll want to tune in next week for those updates, but for now, we know you'll enjoy hearing from our two great friends as they share their story with us. So we are here with one of my favorite couples, 
Joe and Elena, and I'm so glad to see you guys. Chris and I know you guys and have known you for a few years, but um, everyone listening does not. So tell us, let's just start by you guys telling us about your family and your kids and um, where you guys are from. I'm Joe. I'm Elena, and um, we live in Knoxville, Tennessee. We have two kids. We have Luke, who is nine, and Tillery is about to be seven. Tillery is the one with childhood <laughs> cancer. She is. Uh, she was diagnosed at 15 months of age uh, with a brain tumor. Along the I came for now, but Landon knows it. Low grade. That's what I know. Yes. And uh, but she was diagnosed at 15 months with a brain tumor. So that's where we're at. Six years, I guess. We're going on a six-year journey. Yeah. So it's inoperable. Um, so she'll have it her whole life, and so we'll always be dealing with side effects and what have you. Uh, it's just part of our life. So, How did it all start with you guys? How did you even know with a child that young? So um, with Tillery, it started, obviously she was a baby, and she just started missing some milestones. And um, we started flagging it with the pediatrician probably about six months old at just well check visits and um we kept hearing well kids develop differently and you know we now know this is the same um, trouble that a lot of parents of kids with cancer and specifically with brain tumor kids that they get kind of pushed to the side a lot of you know just give it time give it time um we ended up we switched pediatricians um three times along from you know probably when we first started noticing things until we got diagnosed and eventually she started regressing so she stopped being able to crawl she stopped being able to sit up on her own she was real fussy and um so finally we had a pediatrician that ordered an mri to you know take a further look at some things and so um she got diagnosed like we said 15 months old and our pediatrician actually came to the hospital um, on the day we were diagnosed and she, he's the one that came in the room and told us of her diagnosis. Uh-huh. And so they, um, you know, we, we don't, we don't know what to expect. So, you know, we're going, okay, well, you know, when do we come back for an appointment or whatever? And they're like, Oh no, you're going to the ICU right now. Yeah. And so took her straight up to the ICU and, you know, we're freaking out. And then, um, that night as the day drug on, um that evening one of the neurosurgeons came in and we're talking to him and we were like well you know when can we go home or you know how does all all this work and they said oh well you can go ahead and go home and they discharged us and we don't know any different we don't know what to expect so we were like okay great we get to go sleep in our own bed okay and so we went home and um we now look at that as that was god interceding right then um and really kind of starting to pave the way for our journey. And so Joe will kind of tell you where we went from there. Yeah, then the pediatrician, he had left the hospital to go to his practice and then came back to touch base with us, and we weren't there. So he called us and said, where are you guys at? (laughs) They discharged us. He said, oh, no, that was a mistake. You need to to come back to the hospital. By this time, it was kind of late, early evening, and I said, well, we'll we'll just come in tomorrow. I don't know why I said that, uh, but then he and I got to talk and he said, well, since you're not going to come back till tomorrow, let me just let you know this. You have an option then to go to a different hospital. And uh, he had been on staff there at the children's hospital that we were at for the diagnosis. And we've come to find out they were not, they weren't equipped 
in any capacity. And uh, so talking with him about our options and where to go, uh, he mentioned Cincinnati Children's. And then in the end of the conversation, I just asked him point blank. I said his name. So where would you take your daughter? And Cincinnati Children's, uh, without a doubt. Huh. And I just happened to have um, a peer in my phone that I called whose son had been treated at Cincinnati's for something else. And he just raved about them. He highly recommended them. And we did a little bit of research. Um, and then <clears throat> so the next day we went and got our, our CDs with the, the scans and made the six hour drive to, to Cincinnati. And boy, that, that's, that was the beginning of, wow, something that we, we're not prepared for at all. Going to Cincinnati, being six hours away, is that something you dove right into as a family, or was that something where you guys initially set it up and then it was, hey, one of us is going to be in Cincinnati, one of us is going to be home? What did that look like? Well, when we when we went, um, the initial conversation that we had had was, you need to go and have them take a sample and so that they can give an exact diagnosis. And so we thought we were going to go um, and maybe be, be there three, four days, something like that. So we actually talked to my parents about keeping Luke, our son, and we were going to just drive up, Joe and I and Tillery and you know, go up, be there a few days, come back home. And when we got up there, well, before we did that, we, and we talked to my parents, they ended up saying, you know what, we're just going to come too. We don't know what's going to happen. We're going to come. We're going to stay in a hotel. Even if we can't be there, you know, we'll just be nearby. And um, that ended up being a huge blessing because we needed, we needed Luke to balance out some of the hardness. He was three and, you know, it, having him there was a good balance of, you know, kind of keeping us <laughs> with reality. Yeah. But um, but then we ended up, once we got there, she needed more than just a sample taken. She needed a full tumor debulking. And so um, we got there the next day, and the next morning they took her into surgery for 15 hours. And we ended up staying in the ICU for a week. We got discharged, and just a few days later we were back in the ICU. And it just kind of tumbled from one thing to the next. And... Um, so we had no idea when we got there how long we would be there, and it ended up Joe bringing me winter clothes because the season changed while we were up there. And the reason for all this is they didn't realize when they were telling us this preliminary stuff the size of the tumor. Um, but once they discovered how big it was, they, they believed she was born with it. So it was actually developing before she was born. And it, it was um, about seven centimeters. I mean, it was quite yeah, large. Yeah, yeah. And so... And where it's located, it's on top of the pituitary uh, gland. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's right on top of it. So she has balance issues now and has uh, difficulty recalling stuff. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's a lot, still a lot of issues there. But uh, she's with us. So we rejoice yeah. every day. Absolutely. So Cincinnati then, that was an extended period of time. Was it around like six or seven months then? Yes. So um, Tillery and I were in there seven months. Um, when we were, when she was first diagnosed, we ended up learning we were going to be there a little bit longer. Um, our social worker applied to get us into the Ronald McDonald house. And um, that was a huge blessing. It was just right across the street from the hospital. And so... Um, you know, Joe, obviously, he, he went back home with Luke after things got a little easier with things once we got out of the ICU. And um, 
once we got our room at the Ronald McDonald house, he brought up a few things from home, brought up some more clothes for me, brought up some things for her, um, you know, a few things to make it a little more comfortable. And we still didn't know how long we were going to be there. Um, initially, we were going to stay through her first uh, round of chemo that was going to be 10 weeks of weekly chemo. And um, as we got into it, two weeks into her weekly chemo, she had a fall and she was on some blood thinners. She had a fall and hit her head and got a brain bleed. And they ended up having to remove half of her skull. And when that happened, um, that was going to be for a few months. Without and that, that was on the other side of the head. Yes. So she had a tumor on one side. She had a brain bleed on the other side. And so um, because of that, they had to stop chemo. They told us we could go home because there wasn't anything they were actively having to do, but we didn't feel safe being away from the team, um, especially six hours. Yeah. So um, we just kept staying. Yeah. Gosh. Um, I, I didn't realize that part of your story. That's hard. Joe, how was that for you driving back and forth? What was what was the back and forth like? <laughs> it gave me time to reflect. It gave me time to be by myself. It gave me, gave me time to yell and scream and sing loudly to the radio and uh, have a lot of emotions that were probably uh, not good to have in front of other people. <laughs> um, I was blessed. I'm a pastor, and uh, we were blessed with a very understanding church. We had just moved there to June before. This happened in September, all of this. Uh, and they were just so loving and generous with their uh, understanding. Yeah. I only missed, really, all those, the whole time they were gone. Because there were more times, there was another four-month stint that they were gone, and I did the same thing. I only missed two Sundays out of the entire uh, episode, but it was difficult, but I felt I needed to be at the church, and it kept me grounded in the Word, which was vital to, to who I am and what I needed to be, and because it allowed me to be a, somewhat of a stable thing for Elena. Uh, we've talked about it, we'll probably get into that in a little bit, um, but it was hard, um, you know, it's it's definitely hard to be the parent there having to make decisions and and see this every single day but to be the parent that only experiences really through the phone and uh, i got phone calls or i got texts going to the emergency room and then period there was no explanation i call but she was in you know she couldn't couldn't answer the phone yeah it was a hard hard moments hard times and yeah. uh, but we had Luke. We had to we had to provide some kind of stability for Luke. That was something we decided very early. Um, we we're going to provide as much stability for Luke. He was already in a daycare system and, and program, and um, we didn't want him to be experiencing that every single day. And so we just made that sacrifice. We yeah. we did what we thought was best for for us. That worked yeah. for us. I understand it doesn't work for everybody. They don't have that opportunity but we had it and we took uh, i don't want to say we took advantage of it we just we did what was best for you us. did what you yeah you made yeah. the decision that was best for you and your family which totally understand that um you mentioned luke how did the separation affect luke uh it had to be tough um i'm sure you know great quality time with dad but missing out 
on time with mom and his sister. I mean, how did how did that separation time affect him? Um, he did, he did really well. He did really well. Um, you know, we see it a lot now in that Luke really likes our whole family to be together. Um, he he really likes us to all be together. If anybody's gone, um, he's the kid that has the hard time sleeping. And we'll get up, you know, I mean, he's nine and he still struggles with that. Um, Last week, Joe had to be out of town a a couple of days. And Luke just really struggles with how long is he going to be gone? When are we all going to be together again? Um, uh, You know, that's something that I I think is a kind of a holdout from that time that we were apart for so long. But um, he got extra time with my parents and my mom would come and stay at the house with him while Joe would come up and be with. Hillary and I, so that Luke didn't have to always be in the car and always have to be at the hospital. So, um, you know, he got that extra time there um, with them as well. But, you know, he, he definitely took him up. You know, he was definitely aware that there was something. His sister was sick. He knew yeah. it. Yeah. He, knew it was, yeah. he knew it was in her head. He, may, he might not have understood brain tumor, but he understood that his little sister had something going on in her head. He was... We got some pictures and some videos of, of the two of them in a hospital bed, and it's just as cute and it's just yeah. pure yeah. love of that we can that I've seen. And he was he's an amazing sibling, mm-hmm. he really is. And, and he is still very protective of her. Yes. Um, yes. You know, like playgrounds or places where kids are, he watches out for her. Um, he will stand up for her, and um, you know. He knows that he could maybe rough house with his friends, but he knows to be different with her. It's a good big brother. Yeah, great yeah. brother. Good job, buddy. That's awesome. Joe, you alluded to this a little bit uh, a few minutes ago. You guys talk a little bit about how you guys figured out, you know, the whole marriage side of things with, with being in two different cities. You know, how did you guys be intentional to to make sure you're still investing in that relationship when you're not together? a whole lot we stayed in close contact we were on the phone a lot um but it it wasn't as much about our relationship a lot of you know most all conversations we had revolved around tillery and the next step and what were we going to do um because that that was where both of us were focused when we were apart you know i mean i was focused on you know, taking her to daily appointments and all that so when we got on the phone i was debriefing everything that happened that day with her and he was focused you know all day kind of having that in the back of his mind of how was today how was today's appointment how did things go and so you know that was a lot of where conversation was and so you know as far as you know there were no date nights or you know times of just us you know that would that would be when my parents sat in the hospital room with her while we walked down to the cafeteria together and had dinner you know that would be our time apart you definitely learn a whole new level of intimacy but it was just conversation and it was knowing she was doing what she had to do with hillary and i was doing what i had to do with luke and we were both playing bottle roles and this family dynamic at yeah. this time. And um, we just understood that. Uh, thanks be to God. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's what I have to say. That's what I credit it to. Uh, but we just knew. Yeah. We just knew that we were doing the best thing for our family. And the best thing for us to connect is, that she say, communication, communication, communication. 
those daily phone calls, the little daily phone calls often. Yeah. And, um, yeah. We didn't, there was no fighting, you know, she wasn't worried about the bills. She didn't fret over those things. I just took care of it. I manned up and just took care of these things and relieved that stress from her. And yeah. She just concentrated fully on Tori. I took care of the rest and yeah. that's just what we did. You know, when we go through seasons like this or just seasons in general, we, we learn a lot, right, that we just didn't know. And so hindsight's twenty twenty. You know, looking back, is there is there anything? Because there's there's families that literally they're two weeks into their similar situation right now, right, where they're going to be separated for seven months or ten months. Um, anything you learned that you'd do different? I don't know necessarily a different, but I think one of the things that was big for us and that we saw with other families that were doing it similar to what we were doing was that um, we just had to recognize that we were both different individuals in the way that we processed things, the way that we handled, you know, just everything that was going on and our emotions were different. And so respecting each other for who we are, um, because, I mean, I would imagine for most any family that goes through this, going to be the hardest thing they've ever had to go through as an individual or as a couple and so um you you don't know how to prepare for that you know marriage counseling isn't going into that you know you're when you are engaged and you're talking about you know things that may come up in your marriage you're never talking about what if our kid gets cancer and how are we going to handle that you know and so you know that was something that we just we had to each learn how we were going to handle it and let each other do it in our own way. And so, you know, sometimes it was like, you know, he didn't respond the same way I responded or vice versa. And we had to be okay with that, you know? And, and I think that, you know, sometimes that's hard because, you know, you feel like you're going through something. And sometimes it did feel like we were each going through it in a bubble and, you know, and then we would try to, as best we could go through it together, but being apart made that hard. And so you were apart that first time seven months and then you go back. So what was that transition like to like go back to, I don't want to say a little bit, like the real world, like you're, you're, because seven months is a really long time and I would imagine that you kind of had your own routine, you and Tillery on your own and now you're going back and you're rejoining the family. And it was a lot of things um, like we were staying at the Ronald McDonald house and at our Ronald McDonald house, they fed us all of our meals. So I had not grocery shopped. I had not made meals. I mean, I had done laundry, but laundry for two (laughs) and, you know, and I did light cleaning of a small room, not thinking of a whole house. And, you know, so it was very different. And then also, during that time, because of how critical Tillery was at different times, a lot of times she and I slept in the bed together. And so going home, all of a sudden, she's going to go in her crib, not even that we're not in the same bed, but she's in another room. And, you know, there was a lot of anxiety for me in that because I knew how often I got up in the middle of the night. Like she was on a feeding pump and it ran continuously. So in the night, I would get up with things beeping and have to run in there and, you know, things like that. And I was so used to that in our little space. And so all of a sudden to try to take it into our house changed, you know, a lot of things. And so that was, there There was just, there was a lot of newness. And I remember going to the grocery store and it just felt like I'm, I'm here for too long. I need to get back home. And um, I had formed all these relationships with other families and 
a lot of other moms that were staying at the Ronald McDonald house doing like what we were doing. And so, um, you know, I, I felt like I needed to check on them. They were still in the middle of really hard times and we were coming back home and I needed to check on them and see how they were doing. And, you know, it was like I was keeping this calendar of everybody's surgery and everybody's appointments and following up with everybody. And, um, and it was hard for me to step outside of everybody else's schedule and look at just my family. And um, it was hard to think about Joe's schedule and things that he had to do with the church. And it was hard to think about Luke and things he had going on because I had been so much just consumed with the hospital schedule. Wow. What helped you kind of get back into the groove of family? I mean, how was it just, it just took time? Yeah. <laughs> A lot of it was lighthouse. <laughs> um, because it, it did for, when I first came home, it felt this overwhelming wave of all of the little things of keeping things going at home, of laundry and dishes and groceries and cooking and all of these things. And that just felt like this huge wave of things that I hadn't been focused on at the Ronald McDonald house. And all of a sudden like, there was that heaped on top of all of these appointments and, you know, and so that just felt crazy. And so, you know, all day long entertaining the kids and then in the evening trying to clean up after everything. And it just felt like, Oh my gosh, this is insane. I'm just, Love being on the phone with all of these ladies, <laughs> keeping in touch with everybody. I mean, yes. that was just... And so when we came on that first lighthouse retreat, mm -hmm. um, we were actually, we were a year and a half in to treatment when we came on lighthouse retreat because Tillery um, had been sick all through the summer, the first summer of diagnosis. And then that fall, we ended up back for an, another extended stay and so um, it, it was kind of a wave of things before we were at a place where we felt like we could come. And when we came, we, we came on a spring break retreat. So we were actually there in April. And I said, okay, I'm going to put my phone away and I'm just going to, you know, focus on this. And then it was, there wasn't any of that home stuff to focus on. And there weren't any appointments that I had to stay on top of. And so all of a sudden we were able to just kind of be together as a family. And I realized all of those people that I felt like needed me, they survived without me for a week. <laughs> and um, we had fun as a family and we did things all four of us together. And that was, that was really needed. And when we left the beach, we were just like, we have to do this. We have to be intentional about the four of us being together and doing things. And yeah. And the way you have it set up, we were just busy enough to, to focus was on the family. Yeah. 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 Well, you mentioned those families you got really close to and all those moms. And one of the things that I admire about you guys so much is that you've taken this journey that is not a really fun journey and you've just decided like you're just so passionate about ha helping the families that are coming along behind you i mean you mentor families you raise money for families you have a 5k which i think it just wasn't it recently well it was virtual i think this year but tell us about how that came about and how you kind of decided to kind of make it your family's mission because i feel that from you guys like you just have a very clear mission that you're going to help the other families coming along behind you well it kind of fed up she's going to talk about all this but let me just say this it all stemmed from the very beginning we sat down till was in her bed sleeping at the hospital and we had a conversation where not only were we going to try to be positive as much as we can in front of the kids uh you know there's a lot of stuff with this journey but we weren't going to 
do anything that would cause Tillery to, to be concerned with other than just her health. So we just made it, we were very intentional of always being positive, always being uplifting. And I think that kind of spread into other families saw that. I, mean, I think the reason Elena attracted all those, these moms is because when we were together, it was very positive. I would be very um, jolly, if you will. <laughs> And uh, there was a lot of laughter. There was a lot of love. Uh, we still get comments about how they enjoyed us together, uh, that example that we set. And so just knowing that that, that example needed to be set continuously, um, there's always somebody who's looking for a mentor, even though we don't try to be mentors. But it just stemmed from that conversation of always being uplifting, always being positive. Um, hard, without a doubt. But we try, and praise God, we we often more times succeed because of Him than fail. Um, but it's just it was just a decision we made um, way back when. Exactly. <laughs> you know, yes. Yeah. So. And we did. We saw. You know, because we had gotten to know other families, we started seeing how hard um, other families had things. Yeah. Um, maybe not having. We had a huge support network of people who really loved us and they were cheering for us and we saw that some people didn't have that same thing going on back home and we saw people who didn't have the same faith and grounding that we had and so um, their journey was just a lot harder and um, we felt like you know we, we were able to have a lot easier of a time because we knew there were people who were lifting us in prayer and who were speaking words of encouragement to us and you know that was what we needed in that time and so um you know, we wanted to be able to give that back to people and especially the people that we saw who didn't have that. So we tried to find ways that we could do that. And um, so when we did come home, we immediately started talking about what are things that we could do? What are some things we could put together? And so, you know, we've done lemonade stands and we've done a lot of things where we've raised money for research because we feel like that's really important. But um, when we came to Lighthouse, it was really something that, we recognized it was something that we could do as a family. And it was a way, you know, because of recognizing that being together as a family was just key. And that really just kind of shifted, you know, not, not that we weren't together people, but um, it really just kind of changed the dynamic for our family that we really wanted to focus there. And so um, being able to come to Lighthouse's way for us to get to serve together and um, to kind of do that with other families on lighthouse retreats, but then we also started trying to find ways to do that back at home. And so um, we've gotten involved with a lot of other childhood cancer families locally and, um, you know, get together pretty regularly. We've got a good um, connected group here that we stay in touch with. And that, that helps us to feel like, um, you know, maybe there's some good that came from everything that we went through. And then it helps us to be able to, you know, kind of talk other people through and show them that there's kind of that light at the end of the tunnel. You will get through this. And, um, you know, it helps to be able to have Tillery go meet somebody who's early in their journey and say, here's our crazy curly headed girl and look at her running around all free spirited, you know, and, and that's good. And just, no, it was after that first retreat. You know, we're, we were probably like a lot of families. We, we, we left Topsail, and we were talking about, oh, we need to be involved with this. This is such a great organization. And by the time we got to Alabama, we had made a decision to contact you guys to see how can we be involved. 
yeah. we started that process, but uh, it's wow, it's been a life changer for us. It's been a really positive experience. That. I love that. Um, we love hearing stories like that. Um, we hear from a lot of families uh, about the community piece, right? That um, you know, once you really get in in deep in your journey, community is harder to find. And so I love you guys talking about how you're investing in the local community that you have in childhood cancer because it's so important uh, because not everybody has that. Not everybody has a community. And, um, and so what I hear that is for folks that are listening is get connected, uh, you know, with, with who's in your community, where you're going to clinic, um, because you're going to need that if you're early on in your treatment. Um, just know that uh, community gets tougher as it gets going, but the community that, uh, that you're in of childhood cancer knows that, and so that's a, a community you can tap into. And then also for those that are listening, they're coming out of it, following this model, this example of staying involved like you guys and, and looking at how you can share your story and, and how you can use your journey as, a, as something to, uh, to help others that are just now coming into. So thank you for sharing that. I think that's so important. And the question was, I'm sorry, Chris, you asked the question, how do we start the 5K? It basically, we moved here to Knoxville from where we were living and there's a park one mile from our house. So we just utilize the resources right around us. And it was just convenient for us to start a 5K because we have a park. The right. largest state park in or yeah, in, in Knoxville is one mile from our house. Like Chris said, using what's around you. Use what's around you. <laughs> they have 5Ks there all the time. So it was very easy to get that going. So that's what led to us doing five Ks. And so. and then on that, um, with that, we would contact we contact the hospital um, oncology department, and we invite other childhood cancer families yeah. to come out. And so that's given us an opportunity to meet local families. And then we go to the other childhood cancer events, you know, fundraiser events in town. And that's been the way we've been able to yeah. meet other families and stay connected. Um, a lot of the families that we've become friends with are not people that we went through treatment with. Um, I mean, we stay in touch with those people too, but for us, those people are still four hours away. And so, um, you know, having gone through treatment outside of town, when we came home, we needed to build a local community as well. And so, um, you know, just kind of staying in touch with the local hospital is a good way to get in touch and meet other families. And I think you already know this, but um, a former retreat family dad and I, who lives in Knoxville, we met at our 5K last year. And he got he and I got to talking and uh, he picked our race because it was the support of Lighthouse. And he had just been on a retreat. And um, we, he and I got to talking, and we really appreciate that on Thursday is the family split up or the, the mom and dad split up. And he said, I know some dads here that could really use a Thursday morning. And so we started in, uh, this past December, we'll call it Weekend Dads. Uh, and um, we meet every two weeks. And uh, we just had a, a meeting or a gathering this past Tuesday and, and at this time there was a, a dad there who lost his daughter last October to leukemia she fought a very valid fight it was pretty powerful to hear a story but there were two dads there that had both lost their children years ago and they were I sat there while these two dads just mentored and, and loved on, on this dad who had, who is still grieving in very powerful ways and they all come because the 
we we formulated this out of the model of Lighthouse. And uh, it's really, that's just so important to have that support. Yeah, I always say it's a club nobody wants to join, but you'll meet some of the best people, the greatest people ever that you would never, never have as part of your community. You know, we are so grateful that you guys, I mean, you, you're a huge part of our Lighthouse family. So we're so grateful not only for you to stick around and help mentor people and be part of our family, but just that you're still willing to tell your story because I think that our stories are are powerful. And every time we tell it, somebody's going to hear it and somebody's going to get some hope out of it. So we're just, we're so grateful that, um, that you're with us and that you are willing to tell your story time after time and that you're still willing to be in this community and just help out all the people that are coming along behind you. We're just really grateful. Seems so natural. Yeah. (laughs) Well, we hope to see you guys for real soon, but it was great seeing you a little bit today. Yes, you too. Thank you so much. Thank you guys. Appreciate you. Gosh, after listening again, I'm just reminded how much I really do love talking to these two. I just love that they had this initial plan to always stay positive and uplifting, and they honestly, they really live that out. Yeah, which is really hard. Yeah. That's really hard to do. Hey, so uh, folks, if you haven't already subscribed to this podcast, um, you're definitely going to want to do so. That way, you just get reminded every week, and then there's a new episode. It just keeps popping up for you, so you don't have to keep thinking to come back. Uh, And you don't want to miss next week's follow-up interview with the Phillips to hear just what's been going on uh, with Tillery's treatment since and how they're responding to all the twists and all the turns uh, that they've encountered on this road. Yes, and you don't want to miss what's coming up next month either. So definitely subscribe. Also, if you could rate and review us while you're there, that will help us get in front of more families so we can continue sharing these interviews until next time see you later see you later